What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Blauchuk. Hi. And Jeremy Malinsky. What's up? For those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a month, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. In this month's episode, we are rounding out our Greatest Hits series with PC Greatest Hits. So... Uh, the game doesn't have to have only come out on PC, but if it hit PC and you played it on PC, that's what counts. So mine aren't definitely all PC exclusive, but I, I played them on PC, so that's what matters. Yes, and emulation doesn't count. That doesn't count. No good. So no Mario porn emulation hacks or anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> well, those count, clearly. Those, okay, good. Yeah, no, we, that's the exception. Then my list is still good. All yes. right, well, perfect. It's all okay. Mario porn hacks. Though. <laughs> good. Yes. Yeah. We see each other's list before, and it's just... Uh, uh, he didn't have to include the visuals. It's a podcast. Yeah, I know. You've got to share material among your friends. I, I promise I will not make it. I won't put that image in the description. I'll save you all the therapy. The thumbnail for My the bills are so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So PC, greatest hits, um, and porn emulation. No. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so my first pick uh, is... A little game called Super Meat Boy. And uh, great game. Tons of fun. Came out 2010. Um, came out on Xbox uh, one month before PC, but I myself played it on PC. Uh, great game to play with friends. Great soundtrack. Uh, super fun. Super addictive. Crushingly difficult. <laughs> Makes meat. you super angry. Super yeah. angry, yeah. Super meat. Super meat. I don't know. <laughs> Super meat. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm I'm sure responsible for many broken controllers, like controllers pitched against walls through TVs. Oh yeah. It, oh, yeah. it is one of those games. Like you 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 can feel yourself. You, you let go after like an hour, and your hands hurt because you've been gripping the controller so hard. Um, I like punishing games, and I think me I too. stopped playing that after like the first fifteen levels. Uh, fucking casual. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted everyone who made that game to die. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's only two guys. Yeah. So. Oh, well, it's not it's a big list. Yeah. Acceptable losses. Indie yeah. game. No, movie. we love you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was uh, featured a bunch in Indie Game the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a crazy story for those guys, and like saw massive success from the game after it went wide release. It actually, um, I was reading up on it. It was only actually supposed to hit WiiWare and PC first, uh, and then like it fell through with Nintendo, and they ended up going with Xbox instead because they Xbox was having their Summer of Arcade, and they were like, "This is." beautiful summer of arcade material so they they grabbed it from them that's cool i could see it on a nintendo platform it seems like the sort of the style and aesthetic that nintendo would have well it's a, yeah. it's a love letter to platformers is what it is which is what definitely was for known for but on top of that like it's really kind of a gross game too yeah it's disgusting yeah yeah it's very yeah. meaty it's, <laughs> it's mostly like when you hit things in the splat sound it makes more than yeah anything it's else. Yeah, yeah the sound effects are, are visceral yeah um and the blood everywhere there's that too yeah, that too. Um, so the my song pick is called The Battle of Little, Little Slugger. It's the uh, chapter one boss. Um, the composer is a game named Danny Baranowski. Uh, his, his music name, his artist name, I guess, is uh, DB Soundworks. Uh, and this track specifically may have been embedded into my brain um, because of it was my uh, one of my good friend's ringtones for a while <laughs> and and uh just every time his phone would go off this is what i heard so but uh, and that made you like the 
song, not hate it forever. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's a, it's a testament to the song <laughs> that I don't now hate it, uh, even though it was a friend's ringtone. So, um, super upbeat, super frantic, and that is that super is the meat boy, <laughs> super meat boy. And, but that is the game, right? It is a crazy upbeat, fr- frantic game. So um, let's have a listen. girl is that the idea uh, actually it's a band-aid what's her name oh. yeah. princess band-aid or it might something? be princess band-aid i know it's you pick band-aid up girl band-aids or something? as a uh, yeah sh- yeah collectible oh god I there's like that. a guy with a top hat who's the villain i can't remember i can't remember it's it's band-aid something but it's it's yeah it's hilarious um hilarious enough to remember i think uh yes yeah. <laughs> you know one thing that's funny about this game is that even though it came out in 2010 it's uh it continues that hard rock and PC game soundtrack tradition, which came out of the 90s. I think this has a very 90s <laughs> kind of it, feel to it. It reminds me of a sound, uh, soundtrack from, you know, one of the other songs on my list from this era. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a lot of that music sounded very similar at the time. Must have been that Mortal Kombat movie that came out. Everybody <laughs> was all about dance electronic music yeah. with fast guitar you mean riffs. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Everybody hit the club and start fighting. Hey, I got into PC music because of like electronic and techno style music oh yeah back when midis were a big thing i yeah, think sure. i think it's the opposite for me i think i got into electronic music because of video games mm. i think that just listening to video game music my whole life i don't think i realized how much i liked it until i got a bit older and i think when the internet came out when the internet uh, was first invented one of the first things i did when i searched out music was look for Mega Man songs mm-hmm. and when i did that 
I found Mega Man remixes and then got into electronic music through that. Oh, yeah. yeah like OC Remix probably sparked a lot of our yeah. uh, <laughs> interest oh, yeah. in electronic music in general. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, this this definitely carries that vibe. And, mm-hmm. and it's part of what makes it great. It's part of, it, part of the reason I love it. Yeah. All right. Rock and tune. Cool. Um, so for me growing up, uh, I played this game called Supremacy. It's on the Commodore 64. It's going to be my pick here for for my first PC game. Uh, it's by an artist by the name of Jerowin, Jerowin Tell. Jerowin Tell. <laughs> I'm going to say his name wrong because he's Danish and he has <laughs> a weird <laughs> spelling. I'll go by his online name of Wave. He's uh, He's been composing music f- uh, since the Commodore and uh, since the 80s. But the cool thing about this guy is he's still making music to this day uh, using a lot of the same instrumentation, a lot of uh, computer generated music so all this stuff sounds like it's from the 80s totally yeah yeah. and uh the neat thing about him is he actually got together with uh i think three other artists from the same era that were all had backgrounds in in video game music and they put a band together the band is called maniacs of noise and they make new music with this same old style and they actually tour around europe and a few other places and they put on concerts that's the nerdiest blues brothers ever <laughs> we gotta get the band back together <laughs> let's go find a bunch of video game nerds yeah <laughs> and call it maniacs and maniacs. noise yeah exactly <laughs> uh really cool stuff when you go see this guy in concert he does a mix of his actual music from the 80s and some of his new stuff that sounds like it fits right in there anyways uh i'll, I'll get into one of the tunes here uh supremacy was um a strategy war simulator game that first came out in 1991 Uh, The tune I want to play for you is the main title theme from the song. So let's take a listen. Supremacy.
that there's another version of this game on the Nintendo Entertainment System with a different name, but it's essentially the same game. Uh, the game's called Overlord. Mm-hmm. and I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's been a few different games called Overlord. Maybe, okay. maybe, <laughs> okay. maybe you know the exact one I'm talking about, though. But anyways, um, that's where I first played Supremacy was on Nintendo by the name of Overlord. And how I played it was actually in grade one. Uh, my teacher had a contest and the contest was a, essentially a book reading contest and whoever read the most amount of books would get a prize and nobody knew what the prize was so it wasn't like I was reading for a Nintendo game here mm. but anyways this is still the nerdiest story I've ever heard yeah totally, yeah, totally. <laughs> and so I won the contest because I, I guess somewhere deep down inside I knew that there was going to be a video game involved I actually tied for first place with my best friend at the time. And when we went up to claim our prize, we found out the teacher had two different Nintendo games. One was Overlord, which is Supremacy. The other one was a game called Gunnack. And me being the good friend I was, I let my buddy pick whichever game he wanted. I would get the other one. Yeah. He picked Gunnack. I knew nothing about either game. I got Overlord. Went home and played it, and it was kind of cool, but it kind of led me to Supremacy. And is that uh, the same sort of like haunted renaissance fair vibe that this song has a little <laughs> bit yeah it's uh th- the thing that i think that bugs me the most is that uh if i wanted to go and find gun today i wouldn't be able to the game's like uh i think it commands a few hundred dollars and it's like uh super rare and an overlord is like a five dollar game <laughs> that you could get anywhere so that's funny damn not friends with that guy no anymore, huh? no loser but uh you probably could pick it up you, or you could emulate it at least if you wanted to play it again. Yeah, it's an it, it's a it also an interesting game. You fly around shooting carrots. You're like a rabbit. Carrots? Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought this was a strategy game. Oh no, you're talking about Gun Neck. Yeah. Gun Neck. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, st- I'll stay on topic here, but Overlord Supremacy, same game. Um, the original Supremacy, I believe, was two discs on the Commodore 64. So when okay. it was ported to the Nintendo, it was on one cartridge. Now, did it sound? Does it sound a lot better on Commodore sixty four than on Nintendo? It actually sounds totally different. The soundtracks are both very different. Oh, they is, they just swapped it. They didn't they didn't try and recreate the soundtrack. They just gave it a totally different soundtrack. Yes, and they're both oh, okay. by the same artist. So he actually recreated oh, the wow. theme songs. Both amazing. A lot of the work that he does on Nintendo and Commodore sound like similar instrumentation, but the two soundtracks are totally different. The only thing that the games have are their title themes. There's no actual music during the game because a lot of it is like that real Mm -hmm. uh, like war strategy type stuff. So they they only go with sound effects. Well, this game, like this totally has that classic Commodore 64 kind of sound, you know, that sort of Crystal Castles kind of sampled stuff, right? Where it's, you know, it's got that wavering kind of sound to it yeah it's unlike anything else it's all yeah. it sounds like it's always vibrating yeah kind of exactly thing, yeah. yeah it's got that vibrato that's on every note yeah well, i was gonna accuse you of cheating by the way i was gonna accuse you of cheating that you took that you just actually just took an nes game that just happened to make its way onto a computer yeah. the commodore 64 <laughs> but but you're okay because they had different soundtracks and the games were a little different Okay. Um, I believe the the Commodore version was a little bigger, had more content. One had different colors. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good song, though. I like. No, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. But a lot of a lot like a lot of the artists that I re- I'm a big fan of that do like uh, in our first episode we listened to that Silver Surfer song. Yeah. And that had like a it didn't loop. It just kept going and mm-hmm. going. Yeah. A lot of these eventually, artists, but it's like eight nine <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah. Nobody's ever heard the end of that song. <laughs> a lot of the pioneers no. of, of the Commodore uh, sound chip. A lot of these artists made music like this because a lot of the time. Um, it was more like the Wild West where um, they needed somebody to make music. Oh, well, 
this guy, he'll give it a shot. You know, he doesn't really have any context to what the game is. He's just going to make a really cool sounding song. Mm. And then it wasn't until I think when um, cartridge games came out that it started to, uh, I guess there was more limitations to the size and that's when you had the more repetitive looping stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, go ahead. Go. Okay. This is a, this is a big deal for me because this isn't just my uh, favorite first, my first pick for uh my favorite PC game. This is actually my favorite video game soundtrack overall of all time. So this game, ooh, ooh it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, this is, the game is Monkey Island 2, but it's not just Monkey Island 2. I'm actually picking the special edition of Monkey Island 2, which was released in 2010. Now Wait, pause. Ooh. 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 We gotta go higher. <laughs> ah. The original game was uh, from 1991. So they came out with a remake in 2010. And the th- and what happened with that was is they re-recorded all of the music. Not just they upped all the visuals, but they also re-recorded all the music. And I love the music in that, but this time they actually took all of that original MIDI music and they turned it, they recorded it with live instruments. And uh, I'm gonna get a little bit into why uh, that, was, that was interesting. It's in the first game, it was the very first game to use the iMuse system. Now the iMuse system was something developed by LucasArts. Yeah, at the, it rings a bell. Yeah, it was a system they developed to make interactive music. So the music would change as you kind of went through the game. Okay. So depending on the action on screen, and it would like perfectly transition and into the next piece of music. Totally um, ubiquitous in games today. Like yeah. In, in all modern games, that's done almost I don't everywhere. It's almost impossible to do with live recordings. It needs that MIDI sort of soundtrack well, in order to do that. Uh, th- one of the examples is one of the themes. When you first walk into the first town in the game, yep. it's playing a track. But as you walk through the town and visit different areas, it adds new instrumentation to it. So it's the same song, but they start to, like you walk into a wood carpenter shop and then it suddenly adds like percussion where you hear like hammers and nails and it's very specific theme to that character. It's still the town theme, Mm -hmm. but it's that character. And as you leave the shop, it transitions into the general theme. You walk into the bar and it transitions into the bar theme. So it's just adding and removing and changing instruments. So it's kind of got the same track underneath the whole time and then you're layering and stuff okay so like, yeah, yeah that is a different thing it's I like apologize. super mario world when you jump onto yoshi the music keeps <laughs> playing but then you get the, but then you get the congas thing, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. It, it it altered the music as you're going that was actually developed by uh let me see what are my notes say? LucasArts. it was developed at LucasArts by yeah. uh, michael land and uh peter mcconnell who's got the names yeah yeah they, they were big names a lot of good stuff came out of them uh they made that midi it was a midi sequencing engine it caused the compositions to change interactively uh, all the MIDI files in the game were actually recorded live by hand. So they played it on a MIDI controller, but they played it live as if they were playing a real instrument, which lent this very improvisational style to the music. Mm-hmm. So it had this cool jazzy kind of soundtrack. Um, they also were going to, re- they released the first Monkey Island on the Sega CD, and then they scrapped Monkey Island 2 on the Sega CD when it didn't sell well enough. And I just want to, I'm only pointing this out because I'm mad about that. <laughs> Because uh, I bought Monkey Island 1 on the Sega CD, so it's not my fault that Monkey Island 2 was never released. So yeah, it's everyone else's fault. It is everyone else's yeah. fault, which was too bad. Because Do you Island have a Sega CD, Jordan? No. So yeah. it's your fault. It is your fault. I, I also didn't have one, but it's more, more your fault than my fault. <laughs> and uh, also, while I'm ranting about things that are, are uh, about injustices <laughs> related to Monkey Island, is that with this 2010 Monkey Island remake, there was an iOS version that came out, but then they retired it in 2015, and so... I lost my copy of it, so I'm just giving a shout-out to it, Apple for being jerks. Oh, they took it right off the they store? They took it off the store. And was there went, problems with it? I, I don't know. It was just like a timed release. So they it, took it off the store, 
And then uh, even though I had paid, purchased it yeah. with, with money, yeah. they uh, they removed it from the store. And when I had to restore my phone, I could never get it back. Right, because you didn't have the file saved locally. Yeah. That is weird. Because yeah. generally, Apple only removes stuff from the store if it's there's a problem. Yeah. So and or or it, or it violates one of their um, one of their rules, like it, like if it's too porny or whatever, you, <laughs> too can't, porny. you can't have that on there. <laughs> well, this whole episode is about porny music. So well, yeah. Yeah, it, apparently. So all that said, uh, sorry about the uh, very long introduction here, but this song's from Monkey Island Two Remake, the special edition. It, the track is called "Deep in the Caribbean." It's the first track that you hear when you start up the game. like the title theme yeah sort of uh, it is and they had this great like steel drum and like xylophone kind of uh and and all the monkey island games were, were like that this one had a much more upbeat soundtrack on top of that but you hear like like almost like a, a pan flute kind of sound yep, the steel definitely. drums yep. and i love that caribbean flavor to this game no other game had a soundtrack yeah. like this totally caribbean yeah and did the original MIDI, did it did it sound like that? Did it give you that same exact vibe? That it, it did. Well, that like because it was all li- recorded live, and it, it was the most, as far as MIDI soundtracks, it was the most realistic and accurate music that I'd ever heard to that date. Like, people were actually playing this. Okay. I mean, back in the day when it came out in 1991, obviously the instruments, the sampling of the instruments wasn't all that great. Yeah. But it still had this, like, great like i said improvisational feel to it that you didn't hear on any other tracks and when they did this remake and they re-recorded everything with live instruments it was almost exact one thing i liked about it is it wasn't just an interpretation it was every note was A in the right creation yeah every note was in the right place every like the volume of each instrument every solo on every instrument was exactly the same yeah. and it was it was the version that i had in my head all those years yeah it, uh reminds me a bit of the mario kart 
mm-hmm. eight soundtrack that we talked about a few episodes ago um and just that like when they remade the songs from the old games mm-hmm. it was they're really remaking these songs but uh, the Mario Kart, they took more liberties for sure, mm. but but the main themes were there, and it was just musicians who were good enough to play MIDI music on a real instrument and just play that song. Mm-hmm. And it's an entirely new arrangement of that song, usually in those cases. Yeah. One thing I liked about this one is that I didn't want them to screw with it. It wasn't a new arrangement. It yeah. was the original arrangement yeah. and really, really well done. Yeah. And um, I was going to say before, when you are saying they were actually like playing the MIDI instruments, yeah. that kind of... Like it kind of makes me think of like a DJ doing like a live performance with like one of those hit pads where yeah. he can, you know, he's got all the sounds there and he's got all the pitches and the tones, and, but he actually has to hit it in time and, exactly. and play the song. Yeah, they so, had a MIDI sequencer and they were actually playing it. Yeah, playing gives it, it a much more live, live feel, I guess. Feel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think I've ever heard of that being done in a video game before. That's no, me either. Me either. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll go on to my next one. And, uh, this is a game, or sorry, a is song. <laughs> this is a game. <laughs> is it? Really? Yeah, it's, I picked a game. Uh, this is a song from World of Warcraft. So, and Vanilla WoW, which is the only WoW I ever played um, for any extended period of time. Um, not good at it. Very <laughs> bad at it. Didn't get anywhere in it. But uh, everyone at the time who I knew was playing it, all my friends were playing it, everybody jumped in, everybody's like, Mike, you got to check out this game, it's crazy, you can play online, there's so many people, you can go on raids, you can join uh, guilds, you know, guilds, what's it called? I don't know, I've never I think it's guilds. <laughs> it's guilds? Yeah. yeah, you can join guilds, see, yeah, you can tell, it's been a while. And your so. reaction was, wow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, Sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, the problem was you weren't. Jordan paying won't enough. be here next week, everybody. <laughs> problem was is that you weren't paying some guy enough to uh, grind for you. Yeah, to to go get yeah. gold for me, a Chinese gold farm. Yeah. But um, but I did love it at the time for a short time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I was part of that zeitgeist. It hit at the right time for me. Like everybody was just starting to get a decent computer, get good internet. You know, mm-hmm. everybody could get online and play this game. Um, but, uh, so the track I picked is the Stormwind track and it's, uh, it's just the, the song you hear as you walk towards Stormwind. So the, the music in this game was all area based and you just hit like this invisible wall in the game and it would trigger the sound. Um, and I like this music so much that I used to, I like the intro specifically so much I used to walk in and out. So you had to get like far enough away that it changed because it would kind of fade in and out. So I would walk a ways away, go into the forest and then come back. And then <laughs> people watch and like, who's that insane yeah, guy who just keeps pacing back and forth? What the hell is that guy doing? Must be uh, an NPC. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cared. Or they thought I was a bot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thought I had a bot playing my game. Um, but yeah, World of Warcraft came out all the way back in 2004 vanilla wow so um and that that is when i played it i definitely played it just as it came out um the composers uh there's four composers for the whole thing i'm not sure which one did the Stormwind tractor or what group of them but it was jason hayes tracy w bush Derek duke and glenn stafford all nice easy to pronounce names um (laughs) (laughs) um my close second fave uh from the game is the is the intro movie music and um it's one of these things where I loved that trailer 
and I probably bought the game because of that trailer. And I love the trailer more than I love the game. Oh, I Wh- love those trailers too, but it, I would never play the game. Yeah, but that that's kind of a common theme <laughs> with me sometimes. Like, I'll see the trailer, and I get so... And you know the game doesn't look like that. Yeah. You know it doesn't. But the trailer's so good, and the music's so good in the trailer. It's already sucked you in. Yeah. You buy the game. Yeah. And it, you know what I mean. And um, last thing I'm going to say before we start the track is this is what I would call just quote-unquote epic sounding music and i know and i know that's kind of it's a very subjective thing to say but i love music that's epic i sounding. will judge you if it's not more epic than the skyrim dragonborn theme judge away i listened to this before. I, I take your judgment i reject it um <laughs> i listened to this before we started recording and yeah. that was one of the words that floated in my head yeah because it's almost like the word doesn't necessarily mean it's a fantastic song. It's no. an epic. It's an epic song. It's an yeah. epic theme. Mm, and yeah. it, and it, uh, you know, it, it puts me in mind a little bit of the God of War stuff that I played uh, in other episodes and stuff like that. You get the big timpani, the big roll-ins roll and well, stuff like that. Well, anything with the big timpani is I'm sold. So Yeah. So All right. So you'll like it. So here we go. Uh, Stormwind from Vanilla World of Warcraft. I just love the fact that you were uh, paying a sub- subscription to play this game and you know, just to hear Stormwind. Just to hear Stormwind. Yeah, that's it's like buying the soundtrack for you. Well, that, that's actually part of why I stopped playing the game because like that was a pretty new, well, concept. probably not a new concept, but new to me anyway, and new to our group concept at the time of a game as a service mm-hmm. and paying monthly. And I was just like, wait, you mean I got to buy the game, full retail price, sixty or fifty bucks, and then I got to pay you every month for this game mm. like what are you off your 
rocker? Like, uh, no way. And they were. They went out of business shortly after, I think. So Yeah, yeah. I, I think I haven't heard of Blizzard. No, <laughs> of course. Worked fantastically, right? And And still, to this day, the number one MMO on the planet. And, like, it's... Every time a new one comes, is this the one? Is this the one that's going to take them out? Nothing can take them out. Yeah. And even even China blocking half their servers didn't stop them. Like, they lost millions of players, but it barely put a dent in their revenue. Like, mm-hmm. Is I this just, the game that kills people? Where they don't eat or sleep? I'm pretty sure, I yeah. Think it's one of the game that kills people yeah. in, it's, like, South Korean uh, yeah. gaming yeah. cafes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's happened more than once. Or... Um, <laughs> even more horrifically like child neglect and stuff like that is yeah some nasty there's some nasty sides of mmos <laughs> yeah but um no yeah i just it's not lo- the game's fault no it's not <laughs> it's, it's absolutely not but it's a great track great track so we mentioned uh at the beginning of the episode that we have varied tastes in uh in video games well after the commodore 64 if i'm gonna go chronologically here i didn't really play any computer games until maybe just a year ago like I really, there's a big gap in my PC gaming where a I played. A year ago, yeah. I well, I've there's the That's the reason bananas. being is I was a really <laughs> was big a console Mac gamer. A Mecca, <laughs> get him. <laughs> uh, but there was there was one game that I played through that entire gap, and I'm glad because it was a very fun game. Uh, you guys might have heard of Unreal Tournament. I have heard of Unreal Tournament. Yeah, it's another rare one, obscure, but very yeah. very strange. Yeah. Yeah. When you uh like did you guys play it? I played no. a bit. Um I didn't play it a ton, but I did I I think I played it with friends a couple times. Yeah. I think I played enough to know what the uh, rocket jump is and beyond that no. Okay. Didn't yeah. have a railgun too? Yes. Oh yeah. yes, I think it was yeah. the Redeemer where it was like the camera guided missile type thing. Is <laughs> sure, that what you're talking sure. about? Well, we played it in school when the teacher wasn't paying attention. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, there you go. They talked about Unreal Tournament was like it started a lot of first-person shooter trends like the rocket jump and stuff like well, that. Think about the legacy of Unreal and the engine, the yeah, Unreal the engine, which well, you know, yeah. is still That's their greatest premier. legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, well, you know, I probably wouldn't have played it except for the fact that uh, at the time, my uncle, who, uh, who built computers, he built me a computer, and he put the game on. So really, it was the only... G- I, I played Doom. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't say I didn't play anything else. I played all the classic Doom games, Duke Nukem, a lot of FPS games. So all the shareware things at yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. Totally. Came here to play games. Yeah. Bubblegum. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go to my uncle's house, and he'd Damn. have all, this, all these letters written down on his keyboard, like IDKFA, and I never knew what that was. And then I learned, oh, those are all the codes from Doom. Yeah. So he just had them there written on his keyboard. But anyways, that was sort of my introduction to Unreal Tournament. And when I think back on the game uh, there's one level that stands out above all the rest and uh, when I would play this game I would typically this this is when uh, CD music for me at least was uh, was pretty big so a lot of times I would play this game and just put my own music on I'd put a CD on and go around you know pawning noobs is that that what they say (laughs) Um, pawning 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 noobs is when you sell them for money yeah (laughs) All right. <laughs> I know a guy that will pay money for that. <laughs> Fresh news. <laughs> there was one song, though, in the game. And, you know, ironically, it was probably the, the coolest looking level, too. This level, when I played it, I had to turn off my CD and just listen to it. Uh, most people, when they think of the first game, if they know it, they'll probably think of the level face, facing worlds. It's the one where you have the two towers facing each other and you're floating in outer space. And then there's the earth in the background. 
as you drift off into space. It's a very peaceful, calming looking level, and the music fits it as well. And then you have all these people shooting yeah. the hell out of each other. Yeah. It's a nice, you know, it's a nice contradiction in themes. Yeah. So great. let's take a listen to the theme of Facing Worlds. It's called Foregone Destruction.
do like this song though. It, and it does. It's like I. I'm sure I don't know it, but it almost feels like I know it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like one of those things where it's just got that ambient <laughs> yeah. kind of. I listen to this one while I while I animate at work. Do you? It's yeah. Not well. This isn't the only song. That's why Actually, there's so many. Oh, I thought yeah. it was just <laughs> on loop. The, the, ten, the ten hour version. That's why there's always so many like explosions in your uh, animation. In my animation. <laughs> yeah. All the yeah. Actually, I you don't put this in the episode unless it's interesting, but. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be now that I now, say no, that. Now it's definitely going to. <laughs> Go um, ahead. When I, when I actually, you know how you associate, you know, uh, the first time you play a game with the first time you eat a certain food or, or listen to a certain song or yeah, like these weird forever. things yeah. remind each things of, of other things, right? So yep. when I first started playing this game was uh, when I got into the band Raumstein, which mm -hmm. I think everybody knows is the German industrial yeah, yeah. metal band. And so that was what I would usually listen to. And I would play this game all the time listening to Rammstein. That is and very Unreal Tournament of you. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's the thing is that it's like that industrial kind of music. It's yeah. almost like I replaced the music with the same music. Yeah. But there were just German, German lyrics over top. Yeah. And I swear I learned a little bit of German from just playing Unreal Tournament. Oh, education too. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it was fun. Well, and this was a Capture the Flag level too. And I think that's why I really liked it because I'm not really big into the FPS genre mm. but when i play i really like capture the flag because it's almost like as close to not fps as you mm. can get because i would love to just run yeah. away <laughs> i like hide and seek not yeah FPS. exactly when we play goldeneye that's that was my thing capture the flag so oh the really FPS I, I like are the uh cooperative ones yeah 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 i never ever ever played capture the flag in goldeneye no i don't even think once like we always played deathmatch that's all we ever played <laughs> yeah just the way we played. All right. All right. My next track is from a game from 2011. This game was called To the Moon. Uh, it was very big for a time. It's a fantastic little indie title. It was developed by a guy named uh, Khan Gao, goes by the online name of Reeves, and he's a fellow Canadian as well. He both wrote uh, the game, created it, and wrote all the music as well. Uh, he designed it actually in the RPG Maker XP engine, so he he wrote it in there. But it's not really a traditional RP. It's more like an an interactive story in a way. And I've, in the last few years, especially in the indie gaming scene, I've been really into sort of the interactive story style of game. And this is a fantastic one. It's kind of like an Inception-like story where you enter the memories of clients. You're basically these two doctors, and you enter the memories of clients and you have to implant new information to provide a dying wish. So your client is dying. You go that is Inception. Mind. That is Inception, yeah. So this came out before Inception. When was Inception? Inze Inception was like about five, six years ago. No, uh, it wasn't that long ago, was it? Uh, this game, well, when did Somebody this needs to out? call Christopher <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> well, before Inception, there was Paprika. So And before Paprika, there was Scrooge McDuck. Look it up. There we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was in the Scrooge comics like forever ago. Okay. But anyway, that's the whole concept, you know, yep. granting a dying wish. So um, it, the soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks um, ever from the PC era. Just it really stuck with me because it's such an emotional game. The, like the soundtrack evokes this sense of longing, uh, which is really complimentary to the game. Yeah. And it's all the whole game because the theme is about nostalgia and memory. I don't know. It just really resonated with me as well. Uh, when I actually finished this game, I kind of sat back in my chair, thought about it for like 
a couple of minutes, just let it process. And then my first act was to immediately go and buy this soundtrack. Still, when I hear this soundtrack outside of the game, it's one of those things where all the feels just rush back. <laughs> the I, feels. Here's a tissue, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got, got cutting barrels on you. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, so this title is called Launch. And uh, one last point I want to make on this is <laughs> I, I don't know why I, um, I'm not, I don't have any affiliation at all. But if you buy the soundtrack on Bandcamp, 50% of all proceeds go towards uh, charities for autism. Oh, there you go. Wow. Yeah. So play the <laughs> game, really buy cool. the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. It's all good, man. Literally, it's all good. Be a good human being. Be a good human being and play to the moon. one of those games that I think I like I had a day off from work and uh, or I was either sick or I had the day off from work and it's like I'm just gonna sit down and play this game and so I threw on my headphones totally isolated nobody around and just went through the entire game and it's just the right time the right place it had an impact on me yeah yeah sometimes it is just yeah. right time right place yeah. um, also because of the whole autism connection as well I just uh, uh, had sort of a connection with me because I actually have a nephew with autism and okay. just, you know, it, it sort of, it, it, it I, I can't say it any other way other than I felt like I had this connection to it in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It spoke to you and yeah. it was, uh, yeah. Now you said the guy composed the music and made and the game, wrote the game. It's a one man team kind of deal. That's what impressive. a multi-talented man. Like <laughs> it's not, this isn't simple music. Like, yeah, this is, orchestrated beautiful music oh like, yeah the the melodies and the themes from this game are really really well done like and it's very orchestral and it's very melodic very flowing kind of music as yeah. well and you mentioned that like the uh, talent of like single composer is that what i'm finding with indie games these days is you have like this one man auteur this renaissance man who can do it all um one game that i really debated on including or not including was undertale mostly yeah. because Undertale is kind of the indie darling of the time right now. But it's another one of those sort of one-man teams. Guy, Toby Fox, he wrote, created the game sort of uh, um, based on his 
past love of the Earthbound franchise. So he made this game and he composed all the music for it. The soundtrack has over a hundred tracks on it, and they're all like stellar. Like it's a really, really good That's a soundtrack. Ridiculous achievement. Yeah. And sir, go ahead. I was just gonna say that uh, I really debated on including it just because it was the indie darling, but it was so close. All just because it's too new, I felt I needed a bit of separation from it yeah. before I really said, "Hey, this is one of my favorites of all time." But it's one that's still on my playlist. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll hear it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sooner or later. But uh, yeah, Undertale. I don't need to explain it to the internet because everyone's <laughs> heard of it. I just finished Axiom Verge and the same thing. One guy developed the whole game and did all the music for it too. Mm-hmm. It seems to be pretty common with uh, developers these days. Mm-hmm. You know, you want something done. Well, you're going to do it yourself, and it's yeah. going to be exactly the way you want it. Yeah. It, it just amazes me that whole thing. It was like, you know, this is fantastic music this is a fantastic this is fantastic writing like these are great graphics how did you do it all yeah when did you have time but then you find out they've been working on it for like four or five years yeah like they've been putting a lot of their blood and soul into it yeah yeah generally that's what it is is that it's there's just so much time but speaking of great indies uh segue um (laughs) speaking of segues my (laughs) my last song uh is from the excellent excellent indie sword and sorcery so this is a game. Now I'm not 100 percent on this, but I'm fairly certain this is a was an iOS game first. Yes, yes. I, that's the only format I have it on. Super Brothers. Sword Super and Brothers. Yeah. Sword and Sword. Yep. Yeah. And um, I did play it on iOS, but I didn't beat it on iOS. I beat it on PC. So I got it again in a humble bundle. So what you're saying is you're trying to explain how you've cheated. You know, you're I cheated a little bit. I cheated a little bit. I cheated a little bit. But uh, <laughs> what I said at the beginning of the episode, if you remember, is it's not the platform you played it on. Or not the platform <laughs> it came out on, the platform you played it on. And what where I played it and beat it was PC. So, back Sword and Sorcery. <laughs> I said backpedaling, but... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like, indie game, crazy old school, like, style. Like, old school, like, older than old school style. Like, it's so simple. It's such a simple sprite kind of looks like uh another world or prince of persia is Hmm. that what i'm thinking of yeah i know you know those games but that's what it reminded me of is that really early yeah it's got a very smooth animation to it and it's interesting because it's got sprite sort of based um characters and worlds but it's a very unusual art style everything is like elongated and yeah everything's kind of stretched out um you 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 never really see even on your main character like i played the whole game i never really knew was she wearing a helmet? Was she, where was her eye? Yeah. What was going on? Well, like it's you could see what her arms and her sword were. And yeah, that and that it. was about yeah. it. It it's got a weird art style for sure, but it, it's a unique one for sure to its to its credit. And um, ton of heart, ton of emotion in the game. It's it's one of those games you don't it it takes you by surprise. You don't expect to get this much emotion out of something that looks this simple mm-hmm. and this kind of weird, you kind of expect, oh, this is going to be a weird, like kind of a drug trip. Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to mention, I do wish that that game um, stopped asking me to tweet my yeah, progress. That yeah, <laughs> that, w- that was a bit, a bit. Yeah. And I think you actually could turn it off. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I did after a bit. But and I did as well. Yeah, it, it just became like, and it's not too bad. It was out in the corner. I think they were doing it just kind of like a, like a guerrilla marketing yeah, sort yeah. of idea but they just overdid it it was every time you did something in the game it's like tweet this tweet this it would pop in from the side and eventually you just you get tired of it and turn it off but other than that great game um a game really that was uh when it came out was recognized for its soundtrack 
composer is a guy named Jim Guthrie. Does a lot of makes a lot of his own music, but um, knew these guys. They approached him, asked him to do the soundtrack for the game. Uh, one of the great things about it is they actually put him in the game. So there's a part in the game where you just walk up to this guy just playing this on his guitar, uh, and you can just talk to him, and, and he's like, and then his little speech bubble comes up, and it says Jim Guthrie. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he says something really Monday. He's like, hey, what's up? And then <laughs> so it's pretty cool. It was a game that was kind of weird. It broke, you know, it, it had this sort of like medieval story, but it broke that wall repeatedly. Yeah. Like, oh, know. yeah. And it, it constantly breaks the wall. And, yeah. the, and the whole thing is that you're playing. It's uh, what do they call it? Like mind medicine or something like that like it's the the they were tr really trying to reach with mm -hmm. this one in, in that like you weren't you weren't just playing a game you were like healing your mind by playing the game kind of thing it was this whole this whole like it was other level of concepts like a, a spiritual kind of healing process exactly played the game exactly yeah okay so it's a game worth playing just because it is so unique and so different. It's just something interesting to experience. I want to play this now. I, I originally, I wanted to buy this when it came out, but it was only on iOS when it first launched, and that's why I never played yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, one super nerdy fact about the game, and this is this is stretching the nerd, <laughs> the nerd limit, but um, one of the cr craziest and coolest things that I thought was about this game was I just bought a new ultra-wide monitor for my PC. So I've got this crazy huge resolution 3440 by 1440 and this game this tiny indie game made by a tiny indie studio actually supports the full resolution of the monitor so i can play it full screen and it's just like you don't really need to it doesn't really make a huge difference but just the fact that it worked blew my mind when i started <laughs> the game i was like really really it fills the screen that's awesome so um I couldn't. I had a hard time picking a favorite track from the game because there is a lot of different good music in it. Um, but the uh, the track I picked was Lone Star because whenever I would just like, and this is a track that just got so embedded. Once in a while, I'll just start humming this song, and like just out of the blue, years later, months later, whatever. And so I just thought, well, I guess it really did heal your mind. It healed my <laughs> mind, and it and it left a little piece in there. Um, but um, great baseline excellent stereo sound which was a thing we went into in the when we were talking about game boy but uh yeah if when you listen with headphones you can really hear the the stereo panning around and stuff like that but um yeah without further ado lone star from sword and sorcerer sword and sorcery <laughs>
with Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, I bought it on iOS when it came out. I played it for about 10 minutes, and then I never went back to it again. Because you were healed. I was healed that fast. <laughs> I, there was nothing wrong with me, so you know, I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Oh, there was nothing wrong with me. I like that. <laughs> I, guess I, I guess I had a lot of problems because yeah. I played right to the end. And, you know, I kind of bookmarked it. It was always one of those ones that I said, you yeah. know, I'll go back to this. It is someday, worth going back to on PC for sure. Which I might do because what real, the main problem was that I sort of fell out of uh, favor playing uh, iOS games. I just started to hate it playing yeah. games on my phone. So if I play it, maybe the PC is the way to go. And it's something I've heard, like you're not the first person I've heard say that just about mobile gaming in general. Mm -hmm. It just, it, it was kind of a fad. Yeah. And it just came and went. Yeah. I have a whole huge page. I've got like 30, 40 games on my phone that I just carry around everywhere and never play. Never play, yeah. It's a sad story. I always go back to my 3DS, though. You, you need your mind to be healed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go back to my 3DS or my original Game Boy. Well, it's that, that's healing. Buttons. Yeah, that's right. right. He hit the nail on the head. It's buttons. Yeah. This game had that interesting, you know, music was such a big part of it because every se session started and stopped with like that record. Yep. Yeah, yeah you have to spin the record to yeah. start the game. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Like, like you start, like you put, you put your finger on it and you yeah. spin it around and then it, and like you have to do that and then you can press the play button to start the game. Cool. It's like kind of like winding up like an old, an old yeah. engine or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I really want to play this one now and it's on steam, right? Yeah. It's on steam. Yeah. Cool. And it, like you can catch it on a sale for next to nothing. Like it's, it's old it's now. So, so it's long, quite cheap. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and yeah, who, totally unique. So was this another indie developer? Yeah, the 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 developer is Super Brothers. Super Brothers. Okay. Yeah. So, and the game is Sword and Sorcery. So. And I mean, they're not really they're not really known for anything else, from what I understand. I right? think I looked them up like well after I finished the game, and I think they they've been working on like another game, not the sequel, but mm -hmm. another game forever. And I just don't think it's ever come out. Like no. I think <laughs> they probably it's probably that just thing where you know you had this huge hit, right? And yeah. now you feel like nothing you make <laughs> will ever to live up hit, to it. Right? Yeah. It's just too hard to match it, so you it's in development eternally. Yeah. I hope that... I'll play their next game, though. Yeah. <laughs> when I go back to that, it'll be mostly for the soundtrack. Well, and it's one of the main reasons to play the game. And it, and it was... Have, I think... I don't know if it was advertised that way, but as soon as it came out, all the reviews were like, good game, fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, all this talk about porn this episode, I feel like I need a <laughs> cleansing, so I better go heal <laughs> yeah, you my need mind. To go heal your mind. <laughs> play this game. With Super Brothers. Well, I've recently gotten into Steam. I know I'm a little late on, on this late to the Steam party. train, but uh, I've been playing a game called VV, VV, VV. So get all the right number v, 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 v. of Vs in there? Yeah. Is it yeah, six? There's six. I always got it. VV, VV, VV. That was six. And, and why is it called VV, 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 VV? Tell well, us. Well, I speculate. I don't know if this is why, but like everything in the game, all the, all the characters, their names start with the letter V. Mm. But the, How, are there six characters in the game? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's what it is. You play as Captain Viridian, and you have five nice. crewmates that are lost on your. I believe you're on your ship. You're you're essentially it's a really really retro uh, inspired game. It looks like an Atari game. Yeah. Very much so. It's a new game. Well, it came out in 2010, but it's inspired by 80s graphics, and okay. that goes for the soundtrack as well. Um, I the other thing I you know with the whole name of V V V V V V, I think. Because if you look at the way the graphics are styled, 
uh, there's a lot of spikes in the game, and essentially spikes are the main the main enemy in the game, the main obstacle. Well, and that's actually that's what I why I heard the game was called V V V V V V because all the V's yeah, are, are spikes. spikes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you look at the ceiling, those are V's. Oh, okay. Uh, that's how that's how <laughs> retro the graphics are. It's just V's for for spikes. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's a puzzle puzzle platformer. You hit you hit the the action button and you flip between I guess gravity and non-gravity you sort of like flip and you, you stick on the ceiling yeah you can't jump but you hit it and you're either gravity's up and you hit it and gravity's down yeah so oh, the whole game okay. is and you can change the direction of gravity while you're in the air so, yeah yeah so you're you're platforming without jumping you're flipping the gravity up and down so if you're you come across a pit and you need to get over it while well, you flip you go on the roof and you run past it and you flip back down so that's kind of it's it's a neat it's a neat kind of uh, is there um is there acceleration in the game no. no. Okay. Because I was no gonna say, no like, this could be freaking hard. <laughs> like, if you, if you got faster <laughs> well, as you it, got, it's it already freaking hard. Is there it? was one achievement in the game. Like, you're actually getting these like collectibles as you go through it. And I remember I worked for, I I probably took like 200 um, attempts at this one part oh where God. you have to like fly through this narrow corridor of spikes, like Mega Man style, oh that God. sort of angles and yeah. moves. And then you get up to the top of this corridor, which is all spikes at the top. And you have to change direction and come all the way back down the other side. So it was this ridiculous challenge. And that's yeah. essentially one one pit or one yeah. section. But yeah. yet they give you a checkpoint before and after that one jump. It's like there's oh at God. least one checkpoint. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. One one checkpoint on every screen. Like you're literally yeah. going back and forth. And it's kind of a Metroidvania style yeah. game too. So you're going oh, all you over the place. So sometimes you'll get something and realize oh, crap, I need to go back, which means I have to go through that section again. <laughs> That's so brutal. It's fun. Anyways, soundtrack, absolutely amazing. Uh, by a composer named Magnus Paulsen. Um, as I mentioned, it came out in 2010, but the retro style uh, soundtrack is amazing. Let's listen to a song. Uh, it's called Potential for Anything.
I should also mention the reason I got this game was because of the soundtrack. Uh, oh, you heard it first? I heard it first. Oh, I was watching go. sort of a Let's Play um, live stream of somebody playing this game. And I couldn't, like, of course, I thought it looked cool. The graphics were, you know, crazy colors, retro themed, all of that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it, essentially, it was the music. I love it. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, graphics again, I love the sort of primary colors. It's like magenta and cyan. It looks like an old, like, CGA kind of game or something like that. It almost feels like it's a step right above ASCII. Yeah. Kind of art. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Like yeah. so, yeah. very retro. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> the entire game is black, yeah. and then you have an outline of a character. You have an outline of the ground, the spikes. Everything's just like neon colored outlines, oh, almost cool. like you're looking at a neon sign, mm-hmm. but in very, very old school graphics. That's awesome. Yeah. The whole soundtrack is really good. Um, I had it on uh, playing on the TV when you guys came over last game night, and I oh, noticed okay. everybody was sort of like bobbing <laughs> head their bobbing. head. <laughs> but this, I think, is my favorite, yeah. just because it's the most high energy. And of course, it has that classic Jordan loves retro kind of style where it's, oh, big time. You know, <laughs> this, this could be a Commodore 64. Kind we should of. make yeah. that sticker. Yeah. Jordan loves retro. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, so, almost like rising kind of scale to it is cool. Yeah. Mm. The, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to sing it. I like a lot of the platforms and things that moved and shift in the level went really well with the music. Too, yeah. So. It felt like you were playing along with it. And with that high energy, it almost like forces you to uh, play a certain way because you're kind of, you know, <laughs> moving to the music and yeah. you feel like you have to hit the button just so. Well, that's like driving when you're listening to a high energy music. It's like super dangerous because all of a sudden it's like, well, I guess I got to keep up with the song. Well, they've actually proven that in studies, eh? Like you will absolutely drive faster if you listen to upbeat music and Mm -hmm. you'll drive slower if you listen to low tempo music. So, but I may drive faster, but I also feel more capable and my reactions are faster when I'm listening to that upbeat music. Haven't proven that. (laughs) (laughs) This is what, just one other thing I want to say. This is once in a while I have this thought and I, I know it's a, absolutely insane thought but it's wouldn't it be great if somebody opened a club and all the music they played in the club yes. was just video games have <laughs> we not all thought of that and I'm wanted sh- that forever we have but we all know in our yeah. hearts that it wouldn't work but that song would be in my club yeah and people would chill and they drink yeah. and they talk they meet people that they liked well you know what they'd be great they I mentioned earlier in the episode the maniacs of noise and they put on concerts and stuff yeah. a lot of the time those are at like video game uh, festivals of some kind and it's actually quite interesting i know i know you're talking about going to a club yeah but going to a video game concert is neat because a lot of the ones i've seen in these videos they'll set up like pc computers in the crowd where people are like moshing <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds like, really dangerous dude, well well because like it's Throw a bunch my of, pc case somebody of, you would kill them yeah but it's a bunch of gamers right yeah so like everybody knows like watch out for those dudes they're hardcore gamers <laughs> so they're the ones you have to watch out well, for they're you know, the most dangerous i gotta say like but your club idea that's totally a thing it's just you gotta go to japan to find it yeah yeah of course yeah, yeah. That's true. That's totally true. All right. So for my uh, third and final song, um, this is one that, you know, I'm, I didn't go indie. I didn't go obscure. This song is a legend of the PC gaming scene. Most people who are PC gamers for any amount of time know this song. This From is, epic to legendary. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the legend. You were talking about the best video game soundtrack of 1996 as posted as voted by a PC gamer. <laughs> Do you <laughs> that, know that for a fact? For a fact. It's, it's <laughs> written on my sheet. Oh, yeah. like um, And in a large part specifically for this song. Now, this is from Command & Conquer 2 Red Alert, which 
I, I don't know if you guys know much about Command & Conquer yeah. 2 Red Alert. You know about no. the Command & Conquer series. It's a strategy-style game. Okay. But this one was great. It had the most bonkers story of all time. And here's my little, uh, here's my little blurb. It's about Albert Einstein travels back in time to eliminate Hitler, of course which causes an alternate timeline in which the Soviet Union grew unchecked. So Stalin and the Soviets invade Europe and China, and the Allied powers have to oppose them. So it's this alternate reality timeline where Hitler didn't exist and the Soviets got too powerful. And I loved it because it had all these live-action um, like cutscenes yeah. cut where there's like a guy playing Hitler and a guy playing <laughs> Einstein and a guy playing Stalin, and it was so That's, much fun. They, Sounds great. Didn't they always have like like some sexy lady too like they uh, would always have like some kind of femme fatale well, usually like, that's that's a, like a command and conquer and specifically thing, a yeah. red alert kind of thing okay but this game i th i don't think this game was as much like that as okay. the other ones this one seemed like a step away it was almost uh than than the other ones i don't know i didn't play any of the other ones in the series okay but they have uh they follow a very specific i can't remember if it's like kane or some sort of like uh, evil faction and this was almost like the birth of that evil faction in this alternate sort of timeline, which was really awesome. It was produced in uh, 1996 by Westwood Studios, and Electronic Arts acquired Westwood in 1998. Um, so they've been had it for a long time, but in the, in 2008 they made um, Command and Conquer to uh, Red Alert freeware. So you can okay. you can legitimately go and get this game for free. You may actually be able to get it on Origin. So it's still a great strategy game to go back and play. Um, the composer is a guy named Frank Kaplaki, and he had dubbed his style of music as Rocktronic. Nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, that nothing is more 90s yeah, than, than, than Rocktronic. Describing your own music as, as Rocktronic. Rock he wrote the song in one day. There you go. Yeah, single day. And uh, the song is called Hell March. And in 2008, when this game went freeware, um, Kaplaki, who has done several versions of this song since then, said that he would never grow tired of this song. This is the theme song to his life. There you go. So uh, now we'll listen to Man of Conquer 2, Red Alert, Hell March.
had the great greatest intro too. Like this was 1996, boom, boom, boom. but uh, it it used a full CG graphics <laughs> in its intro, which was rare for the time. Mm-hmm. And these at the time were the best CG graphics I had ever seen in a video game. I watched this intro over and over and over, where it's like submarines and tanks and battleships firing and. <laughs> And then it's like this map where this big Nazi, like the, I mean, communist symbol, like slams down on it and like red is spreading across Europe. It was mm. just this awesome kind of military kind of vibe. This is totally Rocktronic. Oh, yeah. Now imagine battleships firing and like planes flying by and, and Adolf Hitler and, and, and Adolf Hitler and, and Einstein. And, and Einstein develops this, uh, uh, I develops this weapon for the Soviets called the Tesla coil, and it's this big giant like tower that's like shooting electricity. Wait, to, wait, wait, wait! Yeah. Albert Einstein develops the Tesla coil. You know, based on uh, <laughs> Tesla's you know, Tesla's design. So okay. this, this was a weaponized version of that. Oh, I see. Okay, to, that could destroy tanks. <laughs> Sorry, and whatnot. Uh, is that just stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's fighting Hitler. Come on, he could steal somebody else's yeah. idea. Fair yeah. enough. We all owe a lot to Nikola Tesla. So. Yeah. This sounds like so classic rock to me. Like this is like if you were like this is a Metallica song, I'd be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> sounds like one. Yeah, one of their more rocktronic songs. Actually, he's this is one of those songs that he uh, he just sort of wrote. It didn't have really a specific purpose, and he, he like I said, he wrote it in one day. He sat down, he wrote this song. He's like, this is a pretty cool song. I think we can use it in this new game. And he brought it to the producer of the game, and the producer just listened to it once and said, that's our theme song. It's very 1996. But yeah, I could see a wrestler coming down to the ring. <laughs> yeah, <side>. totally. <laughs> this is totally wrestler intro yeah. music. <laughs> if I was a wrestler, I'd want this to be my intro music. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. When you when you start your professional WWE career. Yeah. <laughs> it could still happen. Never too late. I also love how in the intro it starts off with uh, Einstein. You don't see their faces. They're in their lab. And Einstein's getting into his... Uh, his time machine chair and he sits down in it <laughs> and it zaps him and it, it, then it cuts to a scene in Germany when Albert Einstein is not Albert Einstein but Hitler is just getting out of prison and Einstein walks up to him and shakes his hand and like there's electricity for some reason and then it suddenly cuts back to the future so are we it's kind of implied that Einstein kills Hitler by shaking his hand somehow so I don't really know how that works maybe he was wearing one of those like you know Joy those buzzers ha- yeah exactly yeah. but like cranked up to like Powered. a million Totally. Powered with a Tesla coil inside. Yeah, that would have right. been big technology back in like the 40s. So. All right. And as always, we finish the playlist with the fan submitted song. How do you submit a song, you ask? Well, right now I'm going to tell you about the topic for next month's show. And that topic is rare. Not rare songs, but rather developer. Rareware. Uh, rareware. rareware yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're doing developer-specific podcast. I'm sh- this is something we're going to do a lot more in the future. Um, maybe not right after this one, but that theme. And um, so if you want to submit a song for the Rare podcast, next month's podcast, uh, hop onto the Twitterverse and tweet at VGM Generations with a suggestion for a song featured in a Rare game. And we're going to go through and pick our favorite. But for this week... We have the track Baba Yetu from Civilization 4. Uh, this, this is a particularly favorite track of mine. It was submitted by uh, my friend Stephen Cornforth on Twitter. And uh, the game, the song actually won a Grammy, uh, which 
We haven't had a Grammy feature song wow, yet. Wow, a Grammy. <laughs> What's a Grammy? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a fantastic song. And I know it very well, love it very well. But I was surprised that when I played it for Jordan and Aaron, um, they hadn't heard it or didn't really know it that well. So I played a lot of Civ 3, but I never played 4. Oh, okay. Yeah, not my kind of game. Yeah. But awesome sound, though. But yeah, unbelievable soundtrack. Um, where I know it from is uh, particularly... Um, Video Games Live. Video Games Live has covered it. I've seen it uh, performed live. Uh, I've sang to it in the card so loud that I hurt my own eardrums <laughs> with my singing. But, uh, yeah, so uh, without further ado, Baba Yetu from Civilization Four. So that was Bobby Yetu from Civilization 4. Great soundtrack, like we said, or great 
track kind of puts all our tracks to shame. Man, none we of don't our tracks won any Grammys. Just, you know, best PC soundtrack of the year in 1996. <laughs> 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 there you go. <laughs> so, again, that was submitted by uh, Stephen Cornforth. Uh, at Twitter, you can hit him up at quickto1, Q-C-T-O, number one. Um, so to wrap up the podcast, we'll wrap it up like wrap up every podcast, and we talk about what we're gaming. So, uh, Aaron, what have you been gaming lately? Oh, shoot. You know, I, I forgot we are going to ask this question. So let me think. Okay, I am playing Twilight Princess HD right now. Also, I've gone back and I started uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag as well, which oh. I kind of left off my list for a really so long good. time. It is really good, but I've already started it several times, and then Twilight Prince, Princess HD came out. Yeah. So now that you've been playing that, does it feel like a different game, or does it feel like it's just still Twilight Princess? I mean, obviously, there's it's it's just one of those HD remakes where they, they haven't changed the music. You know, it's just a general sort of up-res, and then all the textures are up So they've done, like, a very basic smoothing. I remember looking at, when they were first announcing it, I think, Jordan, you and I talked about this as we were watching, like, the announcement footage. Yeah. And it's showing the footage, and we're thinking, all right, when's it going to happen when they do that, like, <laughs> split-screen wipe, wipe, with wipe, wipe away, where they show, this was what you remember from Twilight Princess. And then they wipe it away. Now this is Twilight Princess HD. And that wipe never came. <laughs> they, were, they were showing Twilight Princess <laughs> HD the whole time, and we sat there waiting for... Kind of sad. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, but all that said is I was sort of disappointed wa- wa- looking at this stuff early on, but now that I'm actually playing it on the big screen, and I've played Twilight Princess a lot. I have like 180 hours. I've played it multiple times over the years, but I, I, I it feels it feels really nice to me in HD. Just the clarity of everything yeah. is really good. Nice it's, and sharp. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm enjoying it as much as I ever have. So, I don't know if I've mentioned, but Twilight Princess is my favorite of yeah. all the Zeldas, so... So here's the question. If you can, which you probably can't, but if you could remove yourself from your love of it, from the love of the game itself, is it worth it? Is it worth buying it again? Is it worth For someone it? who doesn't love it as much as you love it. I'd say um, if you played it back in the day and uh, you know enjoyed it, you there's no need to, to play it again. Um, unless... If you've never played it... Hmm? Unless you're addicted to Amiibos, like <laughs> me. Oh, yeah, yeah that's you know, true. <laughs> I, I, I want to mention on that point is that, like, I have a whole bunch of Zelda Amiibos. I've never, I just, I'm using them as collectibles, right? They sit on yeah. my shelf. They look really cool. Yeah. This is the first game that I sit there with my gamepad, and I can't play the classic controller. I have to play the gamepad because I have all my Amiibos lined up in front of me to actually use while I'm playing the game. And uh, if you use the Ganon Amiibo, it um, cuts your health in half, essentially. So you take double damage. Extra hard mode. Yeah, yeah. extra hard mode. So every, every time you uh, get hit, you take double damage. On top of that, I'm playing it in hero mode, which already cuts your health in half. So anything, like any enemy in the game, can kill me in like two, three hits. Jeez. So that's the way I'm playing the game right now. But that's it's awesome. great because with the other amiibos, I'm sort of using that. You can scan um, any Zelda and it restores your health, but you can only use each Zelda character once. So I can scan Sheik. And I can z- scan Zelda to restore my health, and that's all I've got. Mm. And then if you scan like uh, Toon Link or Link, you can get your arrows back. Cool. I was wondering why you wanted to borrow all my Zelda and Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted—I've got a huge collection. My entire table is just full <laughs> Zelda of Zelda like, and Sheik. <laughs> but, uh, that's cool. but it's hard mode. It's hard mode. I swear, it's hard mode. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and it's—I still maintain that everyone's got this love affair of Ocarina of Time because it came first. But Twilight Princess is is truly the better game. I agree. Uh, no, I, I agree too. Yeah. I agree. Link to the past is yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I am. I'm actually with you on this. Twilight Princess is is my favorite, and I don't know if I was just 
when I played Ocarina of Time, I I wasn't. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but it, I wasn't the gamer I am now. Mm-hmm. I never. I wasn't as into games. I didn't play as much. I wasn't as good, and so I think just the being so challenged by it so much, like it, it was too much for me mm-hmm. when I played it as a kid. When I played. Um, Ocarina of Time, but by the time I hit Twilight Princess, I was a heavy gamer, and and so I got through. It, it's also a much easier game, I think, in retrospect. Yeah, I, I would I, you say so? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I would say difficulty wise, they're probably they're about, about on the par. Same, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think they're about the same. But okay. When you played Ocarina, um, when it first came out, you were probably fairly young. Cause yeah, that's just my perception yeah. That, yeah. that I'm putting on top of it. But I think. The Twilight Princess is a stellar game, and I don't care what people say about the slow start and blah 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 blah. It's a great game. I lo- and I love it. Because and I like of the it. start, slow start. Yeah, I think like introducing to Link, and he's a farmhand, and he lives in this little yeah. village, and you're going about these little problems. I think it really has a good build to it. That that it's it's very story driven, unlike any of the other Zelda games. And on top of that, like because this is a music podcast, Twilight Princess is the best Zelda soundtrack by a wide margin, in my in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, a lot of great songs. A lot of people sure, challenge yeah. you on that, though, when it comes to like, <laughs> the course. classics. But so. I don't know if you could pick a best one because I think there's some great songs on, on every game. Oh, yeah, there always yeah. is. Well, and so many of them take from each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like so many of them are, are, are continuations or evolutions of, of the themes that, that started. Yeah, out. obviously Twilight Princess borrows a lot of uh, like bass tracks from Ocarina of Time. But mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Are you playing anything else? Is that it? <laughs> you better uh, just skip beyond that because I'm all sure right. I am, You're but that's all I can think of right now. Yeah. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I've been playing a lot, actually. I've uh, had a, my, a lot of free time open up. So recently just beat Axiom Verge, kind of an ongoing project. Loved it. Loved it. Really good game. Uh, ooh, Downwell. This is a really cool game I've been playing where uh, it's like a vertical platformer. Um, it's, again, surprise, surprise, retro-inspired but you start off as this little, uh, the graphics are all black and white and you're falling down a well really, really fast, but all the enemies are red. So as you're falling really fast, it's hard to keep track of everything, but because the enemies are all red, you can see them a little bit more clear. And the whole idea of the game is to fall further and further down the well. And as you're falling, you can bounce on these little bad guys. So you're kind of, uh, as you fall further and further down you sort of build up these combos where you bounce off of the bad guys the whole point is to get as far down the well as you can without like smashing into these bad guys but because you know there's obviously going to be other obstacles like like rocks and platforms so is it like a quick game like you play until you die or can you actually win down well yeah so it's not like like uh you know, sort of like a, a mobile handheld game, like yeah. a like a phone game. Like, like there actually yeah. is, or yeah. Like there there actually is like an endpoint to each okay. stage. So mm. essentially, so yeah, it's how many stages? Yeah, can you get you, how many stages can you clear? Right, and but but is uh, it infinite stages? I don't believe it is, but it's okay. really but really no, freaking Nobody's hard. reached the end. <laughs> it's <laughs> one of those games where when you die, game over, no continues, go back to the start, level <sighs> one. So I've only been able Crushing. to get to like midway to world three, but. Really cool game, awesome soundtrack. Check it out. Uh, the game I really want to talk about. There's actually two. There's actually two. <laughs> That's why I'm speeding through this other garbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Pick I really it up, Balinski. Yeah. Um, I played the Stanley Parable last week, and uh, one of the most interesting experiences in a game I've played. Uh, jumping into it, I was really confused by a lot of the reviews of the game, and I'm really glad that uh, I kind of took it as is because nobody really wants to tell you what the game is about. 
good for good for everybody. Good for those people. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way. I don't know how much I want to talk about it, but I'm sure if you're a hardcore PC gamer, you might have heard of this game. I might lean on Aaron a bit to help me, like maybe not explain this game <laughs> because we both played it and yeah, it's it's the interesting. The best way I can sort of explain it is another sort of uh, genre that's been big right now is what people are kind of calling the walking simulator. It's an yeah. interactive story game. There's not a much game component to it, but you're sort of following along with a story, and it's just it's up to you how you decide to move it forward. What, what are some of the other ones? It's, so it, I would say uh, some other ones that I've played. The big are, ones. The oh big yeah, ones. like uh, Vanishing of Ethan Carter yep. is one I really love. Um, Gone Home. Gone Home. That's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, Gone Home was uh, another one I really liked. Um, also, um, uh, Firewatch was one I played recently, yep. which I wasn't all over, but it's in that genre as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the first ones I ever played in that, that genre was called Dear Esther. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, that one was very early in the genre where you kind of walk around. It's more about ambiance, and there was there was very little interaction. Like, you couldn't pick up things or open doors. It's just you walk around and you look at things. Oh, okay. A lot so of it – sorry. A lot of it is about developing the experience that the mm-hmm. gamer has. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I think those games in particular are evolving a lot more. And uh, I would say The Stanley Parable is one of those games that is really, like, shows what you can do with this genre because – the decisions that you make as you follow through the story impact the story heavily in a lot of different ways. It really is one of those games that kind of is what you make of it, essentially. And this was my first time playing this type of game. And I remember as I was playing through the game, I started to understand the concept at a slow pace. And then there was, I had the aha moment where I fully understand what this game was trying to do with me. And I, I had the biggest smile on my face when I realized this is cool. This yeah. is a really neat thing that they have that they've done here. And I, what I actually did was I got far enough in the game, uh, and I decided, you know what, I, I'm going to stop playing this because I need to share this with somebody. Mm-hmm. My wife, I, I pulled my wife aside, and and I didn't tell her anything. I put the controller in her hand, and I said, just play because I want to watch you and I want to see what happens. And she immediately even before i did she she caught on to the experience I, it has a lot to do with yeah. uh sort of the way your brain works yeah but what kind of person you are and the way you sort of you know exact, interact with the yes yeah. that's exactly it the kind of person you are it can change the outcome of the game yeah. and i knew that if i had my wife play this game that it would be a very different experience and we went from just trying the game out i said honey you know like if you don't want like if we've played it it's fun do you want to try something else we ended up playing it for maybe another five hours after that. Yeah, I think it was the same experience for me. It was one of those games that I'm like, oh, I got a few minutes to kill, right? Yeah. I'll just I'll just <laughs> load up this game. That's so, I, like I've heard this really quick. I can get through it fairly fast. And I sat down and I started playing it, and I played it pretty much for the rest of that day. And my wife was sitting next to me on the couch, and then she started to get interested, and she would make suggestions for what I should do in the game and stuff like that. So even though she wasn't playing specifically, she's getting very involved in it as well it's one of those games that it's even fun just to watch and without giving anything else away i also should say that it's a very funny game as well like yes it, it's 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 thinky and it's funny the, the humor is definitely there and that's yeah. that's a big draw mm-hmm. um and then the last thing i want to mention is on the topic of stanley parable uh we looked for more work by the same artist because of how fun we found the stanley parable and we came across this game called the beginner's guide and again, going through the reviews on the game, very much like the Stanley Parable where nobody wants to tell you about the game. And the, 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 emo- I, the context of the game is very different. 
um, going through the reviews, it seemed like this was going to be a, a lot more of an emotional experience rather than um, more of a on the humor side. So I played the game. Uh, I actually went in and played it by myself. Uh, we talked about getting the game and trying it out together, but after reading the reviews and seeing how a lot of people described it, I'm just going to leave it at that and say that I went and played it by myself and completed it in about an hour. And for the following few days, I felt like I had this weird emotional brick just sitting in my stomach. And for a game to, pl to have that effect on me for it only being about an hour long, so weird, but such a cool experience. And after you described that to me, I went out and I immediately bought it. So I need to play it as soon as possible yes. so then we can yeah. actually talk about it. I want anyone listening <laughs> to, if you're interested in what they call the walking simulator, sim simulator uh, sort of the, you know, the, the weird experiences we're talking about, check out the beginner's guide and the Stanley Parable for sure. Nice. That actually, the emotional brick uh, transitions nicely into what <laughs> I've been playing, which is, uh, and I know I'm super late to the party. I apologize to like, I, I like I almost have to turn in my gamer card for this, but uh, I just beat uh, The Last of Us. And so, and I, I can't even like, I can't even uh, uh, blame it on the PS4 remake, uh, <laughs> uh, the re-release. I, I played it on the PS3, but um, what uh, inspired me, pushed me to play the game was um, my girlfriend was really interested in it. And every time she's like, you know, do you have this game? Let's play this game. So, and uh, we actually just recently moved in together. And so it's now, I have no excuse. So, um, <laughs> so that she, was the whole reason she agreed to move in with you <laughs> is just to get you to play. So. 100% possible. <laughs> um, but um, so got through it. She was a, she, it kind of worked okay because I had played it and then I stopped. Um, and she, she, I let my PS3 to her before we moved in together and she got just about to the point um, where I was. So it, it synced up quite nicely, actually. And uh, then we played the rest of it together. And um, God, the ending of the game. <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those things where you just you finish the game and you go, I, I am need I to be alone? Am for I a happy? Yeah. It, it, I need to digest yeah. this. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I guess. Yeah. Like you know, you don't know how to feel. You don't know how to feel when you finish that game, and it's just and stuff. Uh, my girlfriend, when she, uh, whenever she finishes something like that, and she's left with questions. Or she's left with she doesn't know how she feels. She immediately hops online and reads forms. <laughs> yeah. And so she says she said uh, that night she laid in bed for like another four hours just reading forms yeah. about the game yeah. and just man like what what do people think like what what is the what does everyone else think about this so oh. um, I was just gonna mention that uh, I know I don't think I mentioned this before but I actually didn't in the end I. It wasn't that I didn't know how to feel. I actually didn't really like The Last of Us in the at the very end when I was done. The ending. I, I don't, not even just the ending. Like there were moments I liked in the game, but overall I had problems with the game. And then even the ending, the ending kind of turned me off in a way. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it, I think it was just kind of the way the ending forced you in a certain direction. I felt like, you know, I know they're telling a specific story, but yeah. I, I suddenly felt shoehorned in and yeah. I, I didn't like that. And you're not the first person I've heard say yeah. that, um, but I don't. I do think it's an exceptional game. Like oh. I think it's a a fantastic game. Um, I don't think it's a perfect game by any means, but um, I've heard that your exact feeling and your sentiment uh -huh. before, and and um, it was one of the things where I've heard certain people kind of praise the creators for that because that's a brave decision. 
um, in a lot of today's games. A lot of today's mm-hmm. games kind of let you pick your ending, sort of, to a degree. Uh, you know, not a ton, but but either the ending is is a happy ending, just yeah. you know, default happy ending, or you can kind of pick your ending. You know, yeah. in in the uh, in, infamous line. Yeah, and I'm not looking for a happy ending. Like, no, I actually love a story with you know, sort of an up in the air, dawn of the dead, like what's gonna happen now yeah. kind of ending. Like I love that kind of stuff. But but you still didn't like. But it, it just it just didn't grip me. I don't know what it was. I yeah. guess maybe you know part of it was probably the whole expectations thing. I just had higher expectations for the game, and I was expecting more. But that said, I'm not. I'm not giving up on The Last of Us because yeah. now that I've got a PS4, I really want to try The Last of Us Remastered. Yeah. But I want to play it differently this time. Before, I was playing it where I was like, you know, I was playing it like it's playing a survival game where I'm really hoarding stuff and I'm not using any of, like, I'm not strategizing okay. as much as You're I You're trying to sneak I more. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think it gives you things like you could throw bottles and bricks and what to yeah, distract. And I don't think I did that almost once in the game oh, okay. because I felt like I didn't need to. Maybe it was the way I was playing the game. So the next time I go back and play it, yeah. I'm going to turn off the uh, echolocation feature oh, where you can <laughs> where you can see where the enemies are. Yeah. I think I personally will get so much more I think out you of will. that yeah. game if I don't know where the enemies you are. You need to use your Ganon amiibo for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I just want to like, I want to ha- have like my stereo s- system on. I want to hear them yeah. and I want to yeah. sort of like feel for them. That's and I want to be game. surprised by them. I don't want to be like, okay, well now I can see an enemy through a wall or around a corner or yeah. anything like that. I think that hor- the horror oh, style God. of the it's game. It's going to be will- so hard. Oh, it's going to be so fun though. It's like, <laughs> it's one of those ones that I want to play at night with the lights off. Yeah. And it's like, I knowing hear you, that knowing you. Sound. You'll have a good time with yeah, it. That's yeah, that's the Dark Souls player. In yeah, here. that's yeah. absolutely. It's just the. It's your. Uh, what is it? Is it masochism? Masochism. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's your. Uh, it's I, your I want to be punished by uh, by these games. Yeah. But because I want to conquer it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, that's what I've been playing. <laughs> um, absolutely, I, I love the game. I you know I didn't know how to feel about the ending when I finished it, but I I now look back on it and I loved it. I thought it was a, it was a great experience. It was. Um, well, I don't want to say anymore because I, I, I'm worried uh, there might be somebody else there like me who hasn't beat it yet. But um, but I'm not going to say anymore other than fantastic game. Cool. So that's yeah. all, ladies and gentlemen. That is episode three of uh, VGM Generations. Remember to post your suggestions for next month's podcast at on Twitter at VGM Generations. And if you want to contact us for suggestions or anything else, uh. The email is vgmgenerations at gmail.com. And remember, next month's topic is rare developers. So send yeah. us your favorite songs for that. Not, you bet. <laughs> I feel like we need to clarify again. Yeah. Not rare developers, but the developer. Per- Rareware. Which is called rare. Yeah. Yes. yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Kong, Perfect Dark, all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. Until next time. <laughs>